Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Time. Hello and welcome to Extra Time. I'm Barry Guy. We're closing in on the business end of the Super Rugby season and All Blacks coach Steve Hansen is, and his selectors will be looking closely at a couple of positions as some regular players suffer injuries. Also looking closely at form of New Zealand's top players are, are our rugby reporter Joe Porter, RNZ columnist Hamish Bidwell and sports editor Stephen Hewson. Morning gentlemen, we're not going to go through all the positions in the All Blacks lineup, as most of them are locked in in my opinion, but there are a couple of key areas that we want to scrutinise. And we're going to go at uh, number six, the midfield and the wingers fullbacks. Uh, Joe, if we start with you. In the last couple of tests late uh, last year, on the end-of-year tour, we had Via Fafita and Liam Squire starting at six, but we know you know the situation uh, with them. Who would you have, or who do you think the All Blacks will have, perhaps, you know, when we get into those first tests? Well, I th- still think Liam Squire is probably the, the first choice, although he hasn't necessarily in the last couple of years kicked on as much as the All Black selectors would have liked as, a sort of, as the sort of replacement for the hard-hitting Jerome Kainor. But I still think Squire, if fit and... Staysford is probably the number one pick there. Jordan Tofu is off, of course. You've got guys like Luke Whitelock who have done a decent job when they've been in and around the squad, but again, he's leaving as well and has never really starred. Jackson Himupal from the Highlanders is another a young guy coming through who the All Black selectors see more of a, of it as a loose forward than a lock, so he's another that could get could get a run, or even someone like Scott Barrett at six could get thrust in there at some point too. So, yeah, it's it's a definitely a position where, given the injuries to guys like Sam Kane and some of the other open sides and other flankers as well, opens up um, yeah, an opportunity for a guy like perhaps Akira Yuani as well. So there's a few out there from the Blues that could do it. Um, but I don't think they're really that happy, to be terribly honest, with who they've got at number six yet. They, they do seem to be missing Jerome Kaino more than uh, some other players. Yes, uh, all eyes perhaps this weekend will be the return of Squire, who's been named on the bench mm. for the Highlanders against the uh, Jaguars. But Joe, as you've suggested, maybe they might mix it up. Um, Hamish, your thoughts? Yeah, Squires um, claims has got sort of better through injury. I think people have forgotten how poor he was uh, last year. And I think Fafita finished the year really strongly for the All Blacks and he deserves to be routed, in my view, as the incumbent. The guy who's pushing from outside is Luke Jacobson from the Chiefs, so week after week churns it out. He's not a guy who gets big billing like a, a Ioane or someone who gets a lot of headlines. But Jacobson's a, got a great work rate, really accurate, really abrasive, all the things that you want from a blindside flanker. The other option, as Joe mentioned, is, is Barrett. I think if you play Scott Barrett there, what, when you get to a World Cup, you want your best guys on the park. Scott Barrett is clearly one of New Zealand's best players. And if you play him at six, that also gives you the luxury of Patrick Tuipilotu on the bench, who's been another of Super Rugby standout players this year. And that's, again, as I say, it's about getting your best 23 players out there. Maybe not in the positions they're accustomed to, but to win, you need you need your best guys out there. And guys that Hanson can trust, he, he gives guys a go during the cycle, Hanson, but it's not hard to see that at various mm. times there are some who he doesn't have great faith in. Barrett, Tui Polotu, guys like that, he rates. Um, Squire, he's tried to rate, but he's let yeah. him down. So 
I think Barrett's definitely um, in the mix. And as I say, Jacobson and Fafita would be the other guys for me. So is there any chance that uh, perhaps the uh, one of the outstanding Lucys of the year, uh, Artie Savia, uh, would be moved away from seven? Artie's other spot is eight. He packs there for the Hurricanes on a lot of attacking ball and his primary role for the Hurricanes is a carrier rather than a fetcher. Um, if he were to play elsewhere, it would be eight. Six is... is is for a guy with a much bigger body than him. He, Artie plays above his weight and incredibly well in that respect, but six is, is a different uh, position. It's a tight position. It's a, it's a relentless grinding position, and, and his attributes are better served wider with ball in hand. OK, let's uh, head on to the uh, midfield. Uh, perhaps Sonny Bill Williams is injured. Uh, a good match-up in the uh, first game of this week's round of Super Rugby with the Blues against the Hurricanes. Uh, Ma'anonu against uh, Nani Laumape. Uh, throwing the other names, Jack Goodhue, Ryan Crotty, Anton Leonard Brown. Um, this perhaps, uh, Joe, is one area where you know things are, are going pretty well and there's, there's options. Yeah, I mean, I suppose so. they've got some decent depth there, don't they, in the in the midfield. Um, you know, it's Sunnyvale needs to start playing again. That would be nice to see. Hopefully we don't have to get too many injuries and go down the Ma'anonu path. I still don't think that's really where the All Blacks want to go at this point, but you never know. Um, Nani Lamape has been looking good again, but has he sort of, I guess, adjusted the, the shortcomings that the All Blacks wanted to, him to adjust last year? I'm not sure. Um, Braden Enor at the at the Crusaders is probably another name that we should maybe throw in the mix as a potential. He looks like he um, has some, some class about him and is playing in a good team, of course, but can play multiple positions as well. Um, Anton Leonard-Brown's been one of the better players for a Chiefs side that's really struggling at the moment. And, of course, Ryan Crotty, well, he's in and out. He's a consummate professional and he's pretty... Um, competent but again he's had some issues with his head and few injuries and whatnot he's just not a superstar although he'll be there um so yeah i think they've got a bit of depth there they'll be keeping an eye on on it but i'm not sure if he's going to be back rushed into the fold just yet hamish it seems to be that the all black selectors you know you have three at the most and so there's what say at least four there uh when it comes to who's who steve hans is going to pick in the midfield yeah good use a lock at center mm-hmm. um and so yeah. leonard brown's a lock at, yeah. on the bench because he covers both spots and has done that hellishly well and then you're probably looking at Crotty um, again Hanson was going to go for dependability I think and um, Crotty hasn't let him down the head knock thing is an occasional worry but the Goodhue-Crotty combination is tried and tested over a long period with the Crusaders and now into the All Blacks they love Williams, they yeah. want him to play but he just can't get on the park, he made five appearances for the Blues last year and five appearances for the All Blacks that's it's really not a lot of footy this year he's made um, five more appearances, three of them off the bench He's just not playing any rugby. And you can't, at a tournament where spots in a squad are scarce, you can't go into bat for a guy who's just not going to be on the park. So that's where guys like Lamapi and Nonu um, remain in the mix. But in terms of your match day 23, for me, it's it's good, Hugh, with Crotty and, at 13 and 12 and, and Leonard Brown on the bench. Yeah, I think dependability is a big thing when it comes with Steve Hansen, the, the, especially in that midfield. He's going to go Crotty, good, Hugh. And then, yeah, I think you're right, Leonard Brown covers those, those spots. And I just think that dependability is a huge thing, especially comes for the, for the midfield and for Hanson. Um, I, mean, I mean, people talk about Nonu. I, I think he, he could come into the equation of someone bails out in the tournament, gets injured, he almost becomes that Stephen Donald role that he'd go to someone like Nonu if the other... You know, if there are another couple that, that got injured, out of the, fell out of the tournament, and he's, he's not going to bring anyone in that's... You know, untried or anything at that level, he'd go for dependability. Uh, you could read Steve Hansen's book probably in the last year or so when it came to uh, the fullbacks. He liked uh, Damien McKenzie 
uh, there, but uh, his injury means he's out, uh, going to miss the World Cup. We have Ben Smith on the sideline at the moment. Um, there are all sorts of names and players uh, that are playing in the three quarters at the moment, uh, Hamish, but uh, really Rico Iwani is perhaps the only one that is a, perhaps a lock, you know, a lock into a position at this stage. Would you agree? Absolutely. The other one, um, fingers crossed, is Ben Smith. He's an absolute must at 15. I think the McKenzie situation is disappointing, but it allows Smith to play in his best spot. And it also opens yeah. up 14. So what do we do there? Is it Naholo, who I think is outstanding, and I, I genuinely tune into games to watch him play? Not fit at the moment. Hopefully he can get back on the park. Um, beyond that, Hanson's gone for, for fullbacks at 14. So that opens the door for dudes like Geordie Barrett, who did very well there against Italy. Um David Harvilly is one I like there, but the drums. as soon as the drums started beating for him, he turned in a terrible performance against the Lions, really inaccurate, bad hands, that kind of stuff. But he's another multi-skilled player who can do a lot of play a lot of positions, a bit like Geordie Barrett, who's an ideal sort of squad member. So those would be the guys I'd be looking at there. There's fringe dwellers like Severi Reese, but on moral grounds, I, I couldn't have him involved in the mix. Um, so yeah, I think Hanson, again, dependability, guys who are good under the high ball, guys with multi-skills, and that's... Geordie Barrett, that's Harvelli. Not not brilliant players of a Naholo or a Reese's type, but some um, dependable guys again. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Wasaki Naholo is still probably going to be there um, as long as he stays fit and gets plenty of rugby under his belt. They're probably looking at Geordie Barrett as the right winger, you'd maybe think at this point. Lines up the cross kicks pretty well with, with Bowden. They've got a good communication set there. He's been playing fairly well at fullback lately if he can keep that form and keep some of the physicality to his game and perhaps become a bit more of a roaming presence, he'll probably end up nailing that that spot on the right wing. He'll at least get a shot. Seve Reese can't be included, like you said, for moral reasons, and I don't think NZR would want to go down that track anyway because it's just a huge distraction for them going into a World Cup. Um, and, uh, yeah, George Bridge perhaps is another... He's sort of the highest statistically rated winger at the moment in the competition, but again, not necessarily a fullback or, or, or a um, utility back, so it might make it a bit hard for him. So that's where... Guys like David Havili probably get the edge. But I think, yeah, Geordie Barrett on the right wing or Nahola is probably the two at this point. I just think that the best news or good news out of the whole Damian McKenzie thing is that we finally get to see Ben Smith definitely a fullback. Yeah, I right. mean, that's just... <laughs> that's right. that's, I mean, the whole fiddling around with McKenzie. I'm, I mean, everyone else but Steve Hansen seems to be in the opinion that, you know, you've got to have Ben Smith at fullback. And I'm, I'm, I still sort of can't work out why, that, why there was all the fiddling. So you know, one thing I'd just say in defence of that, just to interrupt briefly, is they played played England at Twickenham last year, and I admit that in Japan it's going to be harder, faster tracks and much higher temperatures than they got in the UK last year. But they played England in a suffocating defence, and Mackenzie was the only guy who looked close to busting a line or creating a um, an opportunity. He he makes a lot of errors, but he's also he was also the at oftentimes against good defences their best attacking threat. So he's going to be missed there, but. In, in essence, you're right, Stephen. Um, the ben, Smith, ben Smith's the best 15, and it's great that he's going to be there. I think with the McKenzie thing, I'm happy to see him on the bench and come on the last 15, 20 yep. when, when the game breaks open. And that is absolutely when he's at his best. But when it comes to World Cup, it's, it's, generally World Cups aren't exciting open rugby affairs, and, they, and it is going to be suffocating defence. And, and yeah, and error error rate is going to be uh, a big factor in, in deciding outcomes of games. I do wonder the whether best, Steve Hansen was going to have uh, uh, Damien McKenzie perhaps in the reserves because if you look at the, the last World Cup, of course, Bowden Barrett would come on and make an impact. But with Damien McKenzie out, I mean, who is that impact player in the three quarters that comes on and makes a difference? Perhaps we don't have that now and... You know that that could well be uh, will be the issue. You know, the starting fifteen looks good, but 
I mean, my preference, I mean, that, that goes back on that, that argument. It's, it's almost, I'd have Richie Myung at first five and you bring Bowden Barrett on as your impact player, even play him at fullback. Well, well, well I would have, <laughs> have Mwanga in the reserves. Yeah. He comes on to first yeah. five in the second half yeah. and Bowden Barrett goes yeah. back to fullback. Yeah, because you're only going to get a 5 3 split. So that's a halfback yeah. in Perinara. You've got Mwanga as your first five closer and Leonard Brown cover midfield. So that necessitates Barrett going to 15 because you're only allowed three and you've got yeah. to be pretty. But you can't really afford to carry a specialist uh, wing 15 in that, in that three because it just leaves you too exposed in midfield. Mm. Yeah. Just quickly, uh, Hamish, before we get on to another subject, uh, have you seen much of the South African sides or the Australian sides that, you know, what they're going to produce perhaps in the rugby championship? Australia's set pieces have really come on in leaps and bounds and they're giving New Zealand a big shunt at the scrum time and their line-out drives have been hugely effective. So... If Michael Checker can tap into that, the Wallabies will be decent there. The Springboks, boy, God, they're awful. I mean, they, I think I think in general terms, they're New Zealand's most uh, dangerous opposition at the World Cup. They can cobble together 23 outstanding guys who can you know, rub the emblem on their shirt and burst into tears as they sing the anthem and then get really, really worked up for those one-off occasions. In a super season, they don't have the mental toughness to sustain it. They're up one week, down the next. But in those one-off tournament situations like the World Cup, they're going to be hugely dangerous. As a collective, their sides are a rabble. But put mm. them together, get the Springbok jumper on, you know, rack them up, a few verses from the Bible, and they're dynamite. <laughs> so, yeah, I think they'll be great. Well, talking of uh, South Africa, the two-time Olympic 800-metre champion, Kasta Semenya, has indicated that she won't take any medication to lower her testosterone levels with the new IAAF regulations for female athletes now coming into law. The South African would now be barred from middle-distance events if her testosterone levels were not below a certain level. The new rule has been seen as discriminatory by many quarters. However, IAAF boss Sebastian Coset Athletics uh, has two classifications. It has age and it has gender, and they are fiercely protective about both, and that uh, I'm really grateful the Court of Arbitration for Sport has upheld that principle. That was Sebastian Coe. Stephen, uh, your thoughts? Well, I just struggle with the ruling in the sense that, I mean, this is naturally occurring for her, her, her higher testosterone levels. I mean, so what are we now going to do with, OK, so tall people, if you're too tall to play in the NBA, you need to have your legs chopped off a bit. Um, I, I mean, that's that's where I struggle with it, the whole natural um, thing. I mean, I get what he's trying to t- talk about in the, in the sense, uh, and, but, yeah, I, I, I just, it just opens up a whole can of worms. Yeah, you're categorising or, or defining what a female is and what a male is, but as most of us know, that the boundaries are a little bit well, broader than that. Well, I mean, I don't think she, I mean, with the, 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 I mean, she seems to be that she's certainly classified as, as, as female. She is female, so, but she's fact she's got higher testosterone levels. Yeah, I mean, just that's naturally occurring. So that's just the advantage she gets. Hamish. Oh, it's just so ironic. The IAAF have never been particularly good at stopping people taking drugs illegally, and now they're going to make someone actually take them. What are the odds there? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a hellishly confusing and conflicting and sort of troubling situation. I feel uh, desperately for Semenya, and that, that's my overriding thing. I, I, we all want a level playing field. We all want fairness, but here's someone who's being hung out to dry on a global scale. I feel, I feel desperately sad for her. She must be um, very upset. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just an absolute rubbish call. I mean, 
looking at the transgender thing as a totally different kettle of fish, when you've got someone that used to be a man transitioning to become a woman and entering women's sport on the basis of being a, a genetic woman, then it's a bit different because you've had a whole lot of different physio- physiological advantages. But when it comes down to being born a woman, like Caster Semenya was, she is a woman, she just has a naturally higher testosterone level occurring. That's just a natural advantage like it is if you're in the NBA and you're six foot seven with a 50-inch vertical and can run the 40-yard dash in 4.46 like LeBron James. You know, this is the, it's just another way of calling her an athletic freak, let's be honest. She has a natural advantage from what she does. It's appalling. It's absolutely appalling what they've done. They're essentially calling a woman not a woman or calling her something else. They're giving her a label that is, is just ridiculous, and she's a champion, and it's just completely unfair. And, I, yeah, the IAAF, are just, they just come across as complete fools and just antiquated idiots that have lost touch with society, and I just think it's a shocker. This is an absolute shocker, this one, and Casta Semenya should, should do everything she can to fight this for the future, but it's been equally disappointing seeing the amount of women athletes that have come out in support of the rule change, because it is simply a natural advantage she's been given by birth. There's plenty of other people that are given plenty of other advantages in life, just like you and I, or the three of us here, by being born white, middle-class Pakeha in New Zealand, you know? So I just think it's just it's just yeah it's it's a it's a no go for me and I'm I'm really surprised that the court of arbitration for sport didn't do something different. She runs the 800 meters and the 1500 meters and they're two of the events that are now uh, well that she will not be able to run unless she has certain levels of testosterone. We have the World Championships later this year and the Olympics next year. So. What her options are, we'll uh, just have to wait and see time to uh, perhaps talk about that somewhere uh, in the future. Well, that's extra time uh, for this week. Thanks to Stephen Hewson, Joe Porter and Hamish Bidwell. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. I'm Barry Guy. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.